Hello and welcome to The Ballot Podcast. I'm your host, Lois McParlin, and for this series of podcasts, I'm going to be joined by my good friend, Andrew Reynolds. Hello. And in this series of podcasts, we're going to be aiming to talk about the recent political events that has happened in the UK, but also in the outer world and Europe or, for instance, the US. But the point of this podcast is that we're going to be trying to explain what's actually happening along the way, because we believe that, especially in the youth, there's quite a big rift in between people who actually know a lot about politics. I remember David Cameron was a uh, was very regularly saying as Prime Minister that, you know, the youth need to get involved in politics and know what's happening in their country. Emmanuel Macron has said very similar things to the French youth, but it's kind of difficult when no one actually explains really what's going on. I believe a, a prime example of this is basically the whole nation's attitude to Brexit. We had Danny Dyer very recently saying on uh, British television that no one really knows what's happening and then going on to say some expletives about half the Conservative cabinet. Um, And today will be the first episode of this kind of series explaining what's happening in politics as we go so that you will have a bit of a better understanding of what is happening and today as our first episode so much has happened um, and today and yesterday since last friday really um within the government and Theresa may's cabinet and we'll start with lots of resignations so who's resigned and why have they resigned so in the conservative party we had a lot of really big political figures resigning namely first of all we had david davis the secretary of state for leaving the european union he resigned and then, just earlier today, in the late afternoon, we had Boris Johnson, the Foreign Secretary, resigning. Both of these people were unhappy with the proposals put forward by Theresa May, the Prime Minister, recently at Chequers last Friday. She proposed a system for leaving the European Union, which was seen as somewhat more of a soft Brexit by David Davis and Boris Johnson, and a betrayal, quote-unquote, of the people who voted for Brexit. The 52% of the country who in 2016 wanted a very clean kind of hard Brexit deal but obviously as years have gone on when we've had so many discussions or so little discussions some may think and with only a few months until we have to have our Brexit deal submitted to the EU people are starting to leave and are trying to almost it's almost like a last ditch effort to kind of save this Brexit deal a deal which many of the people inside the government and out with the government believe purely just isn't working. So David Davis has resigned, uh, Boris Johnson has resigned, many more are threatening to or are expected to. Do you think that Theresa May will resign? Not immediately. I mean, her plan primarily is to hold on to power and try and put enact her plan and put her proposals forward to the European Union. Because these proposals at Chequers were really just to unite her cabinet. They weren't final proposals in the deal because bearing in mind, this has been over two years now since the Brexit referendum, and it's taken this long to finally get a deal which all the Conservative cabinet and MPs are happy with. The original plan was to get the cabinet agreeing to her plan, and then move on to her MPs, and then move on to the European Parliament. But obviously this has stalled at the first stage, and we're yet to see how this will happen. I mean, I don't think Theresa May will resign unless she's forced to, or a leadership contest is forced, because primarily not only is she invested in a more softer Brexit, but really this is her last chance in the political arena. There's no, It's highly unlikely that if Boris Johnson or Jacob Rees-Mogg or any other people got into power, that she'd be allowed many places of higher um, appointment. 
So what was Checkers on, on Friday? What was that all about? So basically, over the last few months, right, we've had a series of meetings with the European Union by David Davis, Theresa May herself sometimes, the European Council, meeting with Jean-Claude Juncker and Donald Tusk, respectively the European, uh, the President of the European Commission and the President of the Head of the European Council. So all high members within the EU and essentially the opposite of our council mm-hmm. fighting for Brexit. Now these these talks, while have they progressed, they while they progressed in many ways, they've stalled at key issues like the not the border with Northern Ireland, which has proven to be a constant issue, especially since the government's had a uh, confidence and supply deal with the DUP in order to even maintain control of government. Issues like these were p- points of friction within the Conservative Party, alongside other things like membership of the single market and a free trade deal with the EU and freedom movement people. Now. The EU, of course, has their own views on these things. They're only willing to give us access to some markets if we give them concessions in other areas. Eventually, these tensions built up to a certain degree where Theresa May had to call a final session at Checkers and get them to agree. There have been previous meetings at Downing Street, but this was supposed to be the final area where Theresa May would propose her final plan and get try and convince them to agree to it, at which point she then move forward and make a concerted effort to get the EU to agree to it. And this was to get the backing of her parliament for what she would describe as a soft Brexit. So what would you call a soft Brexit? Now, a soft Brexit is generally used to describe any sort of agreement or proposal put forward which aligns the UK quite closely with pre-existing rules or any sort of arrangement which aligns us with what we have at the moment. So we're talking sort of freedom of movement, we're talking about access or membership of the single, single market, we're talking about... The members of the customs union, if that were to go ahead, we're talking about agreement to any new European laws that are pushed put forward. We're talking about any sort of deal that puts us under authority of the European Court of Justice. Anything like that would be described as a so-called soft Brexit. Um, in the recent proposals put forward by Theresa May, there was the option to abate future legislation put forward by the European Parliament. There was also Close, and close alignment with customs rules and single market and that could be described as a soft Brexit. So a soft Brexit would essentially be to keep almost like as closely within the EU as we are now without really being the EU. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's really quite an accurate statement on uh-huh. that. So what would a hard Brexit be? Now a hard Brexit would be a very much of a clean deal, a clean split from the EU. So we're talking about something where we wouldn't be a member of the customs union, maybe not a member of the single market. We have a free trade deal instead with the European Union, which might not give us the same amount of access to European markets and economies, but it would still give us something. We wouldn't have any movement of, of peoples. We wouldn't have any like we have at the moment, where some where a Polish worker could potentially come over to the UK and work. We wouldn't have anything like that. It would regain UK sovereignty, quote-unquote, so we wouldn't have to buy by any more EU legislation. And it wouldn't be under the... Uh, rule or we wouldn't have to abide by any new EU institutions or laws like Eurotom or the European Court of Justice as I said earlier. And what is the customs union in the single market then? So they're quite complex. So the single market is um, a series of different markets from the European Union. So you have the green market and you have markets for beef and stuff like that. And a single market is access to all the economies and goods within the European Union. So access to the single market and membership are very different things. So if we have access to the single market, we can access and buy goods from Germany, for example, or about Danish pork, for example. We can buy Danish pork. If we have membership, our goods can enter that as well. It's a give and take. The customs union is very is, is different in some ways. It does involve 
the engagement with goods within the European Union, but it also includes deals the EU has made with other countries. So, for example, when Canada made their deal with the EU, they can't make a trade deal with Germany, for example. They have to make a trade deal with the European Union. The customs union allows governments within the European Union to work together to negotiate en masse and to combine their bargaining power. And this allows them to get better deals, potentially. And if the UK were to leave the customs union, that means we would lose access to the deals the EU has made with other countries, like Canada. And sometimes you can hear people talking about a no deal, or even that no deal is better than a bad deal. What, what do people mean by a no deal? So, Nigel Farage recently said that no deal is better than a bad deal, as Lewis said. Now, a no deal Brexit would be us leaving completely, us cutting off any sort of agreement with the EU, any sort of transition agreement, and it would basically mean that we wouldn't have we abide by any legislation that are currently in place or are previously in place. This would have colossal ramifications. First of all, there wouldn't be any treaty or trade deal in place to govern the import and export of goods from the European Union to the United Kingdom or from the United Kingdom to any of the countries the EU has a trade deal or any sort of negotiated agreement with. This would import as a impact us especially since we are an importing economy and a service-based economy rather than a production-based economy. Um, it's also the case that if we had a no-deal Brexit, the 1.6 million Britons living in the EU would no longer have a right to stay there, since under EU law they do currently, and they would effectively be illegal immigrants. Um, we also have to take into account that members of the European Union includes membership of different institutions in the European Union, like Eurotom, which governs different Euro the government of um, nuclear isotopes and other institutions that govern the sort of approval of new medicines for the NHS and the respective health cares of different countries in the European Union. So if we were to immediately just have a no deal, we would have no real institution in place to approve new drugs. This is especially important since the European since the current NHS is under underfunded and can, couldn't really take on any extra responsibilities. This is just one of many, many, many things we would have to take into account for if we were just simply to cut off all ties with Europe immediately. Our economy would have to adapt rapidly to the fact that imports would be vastly more expensive, unless, of course, we were just to lower all tariffs. And that would, in turn, mean that any country exporting to the United Kingdom would benefit from having lower prices than the UK, UK produce. So what we're seeing here is that if we left without any deal, it would be a massive shock to all sectors of the UK economy. So currently, essentially, the EU, with, with all its countries, works together to make proposals and laws and guidelines for medicine, for agriculture, how we do things, and who's going to do it throughout the country. Now, essentially, we would have to make our own committees, our own guidelines, our own essentially ways of doing everything because for so many years we've worked with the EU and other countries to make our own guidelines. So is that correct? We're going to have to essentially be completely independent and if this were the case of a no deal we would have to start making our own guidelines and standards for different sectors. Now earlier on in the year some listeners may remember that the proposals were made to put all existing EU legislation into UK law and edit out bits where necessary. Now, that would take care of most of the legislation part of things, but what of greater difficulty would be is to replace the existing EU institutions which govern and protect and enact new legislation, because Parliament at the moment is currently overburdened with Brexit legislation, and in the future and future uh, administrations, 
they'd be over with other administration and might not have the time or the effort to spend in enforcing new legislation the European Union might have previously protected. We could see this previously in tax cases where the European Union tackled Google or Apple for tax avoidance. So we need to replace Euroton and other such institutions with our own and reorganise large sections of the British economy, which would be incredibly difficult to do in a short space of time. And it's pretty much impossible to do without incurring some sort of economic hit in any way. For instance, like a recession. Yes, I think a no-deal Brexit would undoubtedly lead to recession. I mean, even today we saw with Boris Johnson's resignation a fall in the pound by a cent against the dollar. And after the Brexit vote, we saw a sharp fall in the pound against the euro and the dollar. This would undoubtedly occur in the event of a no-deal Brexit. And it's important to remember that a fall in the pound would only benefit exporting exporting things. And we're primarily an importing nation. So this alone would severely hamper our economy. This is a short-term cause over the long term. It being more expensive to import stuff, that would undoubtedly lead to some small retailers having to shut down and severely hamper the ability for the UK economy to grow in the short and long term. So these are all the parameters of a soft, hard Brexit or a, or a no deal. Essentially what the UK would have to go through if one of these three outcomes were to be decided in a couple of months' time for us leaving next year in March. And just to finish off this episode, like we said, with so many resignations, recent times and a lot of instability in the government and the Tory cabinet What's the 1922 committee and why are people talking about an amount of letters that people might need? So, in the Conservative Party, we have this interesting quirk where basically if any Conservative MP is unhappy with the way things are going within his party, then he will fill a letter to the 1922 committee. Now, on this committee collects letters as part of its job. It's not its only job. It will collect these letters. And when 48 have re- are reached, 48 letters concerning the Prime Minister, a leadership election is called within the Conservative Party. Now, if 48 letters are reached, the Prime Minister would have no choice but to abide by this. It would basically leave us without a Prime Minister in the short term. Now, the reason we're talking about this at the moment is that there's been some rumours going behind, behind the scenes as to whether or not there are currently 48 letters in the 1922 committee or there was the potential to be very soon. We've recently heard that at the moment there is none, but in the coming days we may see these letters appear, which would immediately trigger a leadership election, which could in turn trigger a general election, as the government is left without a leader and a motion of no confidence is passed. And what kind of people make up the 1922 committee? It's mainly made of Conservative backbenchers. These are Conservative MPs who may not have a any sort of intention of going into the upper ranks of government, might not be interested in becoming minister of housing or whatever, but are happy to sit at the back and manage the inner workings of the Conservative Party. These are people who we've looked at recently who aren't especially well known, but they're influential within the Conservative Party. These sort of MPs are especially important at this sort of time, with many MPs such as Boris Johnson, Jacob Rees-Mogg, prominent leavers and remainers like Amber Rudd, commanding significant amounts of influence amongst MPs, whether they're part of this committee or not. Mm-hmm. And of course, right now, lots of eyes are on Theresa May and how she's dealing with the Brexit vote, so therefore it can be quite easy to imagine how these letters would start to build up if a group of people were not happy with how the country's going. As we've said, many aren't. 
And that's essentially everything we wanted to cover in the first episode. Of course, Brexit has been such a massive conversation, so we hope you can go away from this podcast knowing a little bit more about each of the parameters and what they mean. You can find us now on Twitter at Ballot Podcast, where you can keep up with the show, where an episode will be arising, as well as political conversation with anything else that happens in between episodes. Uh, Once more, thank you very much for listening, and we should be back next week with another episode of the Ballot Podcast.